2: a date, just randomly chosen. Was it because the terrorists who attacked our country in 2001 could get a better deal on on uh, tickets at the air at the airport, or was there a design behind that date? To have a conversation around this, we've re-invited Dan Leroy on. We, you might remember we had him on. Uh, mm, I don't know, a couple months ago, uh, to talk about Liberty's Lions. And he's going to be back on the program. We're going to talk about the connection that goes all the way back to September 11th, 1683. It's going to be a fascinating conversation that's coming up at 35 past the hour. At 15 past the hour, Aranza Loreto Castaneda from Familio Gondo is going to be on to talk about the Supreme Court ruling in Mexico, essentially decriminalizing abortion in the country and how that will affect um, lives of babies but also the pro-life movement there we'll get the latest from aranza at 15 past the hour it's going to be a jam-packed show and oh and by the way did you know in california there's a school district there who uh as a part of the curriculum has children pray to aztec gods we've talked about it on the program before but if i get a chance i'm diving into that again today if at all possible but uh good morning to you janice
3: good morning joe
2: uh, do you remember se- September the 11th? You were pretty young.
3: Yeah, I was in third grade. Third grade. Yeah, I remember yeah. vividly being in class. It was like 9 a.m. here, central time. Yeah. And I was living in Houston. Uh, I was in elementary, third grade, and my um, it was 9 a.m., and then all of a sudden, like, school had just started, and then all of a sudden, everybody's parents started coming to school, picking up. All my friends, like, yeah. except me. My parents did not <laughs> pick me
2: up. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not bitter. You're no. not holding on to any of that, are you? <laughs> no, but I just,
3: I just remember by the end of the day, everybody was gone, and there was like only 10% of the student body left on wow. campus, and everybody just left yeah. really early.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, I, was, I was confused uh, as to why, you know, everybody was leaving, but um, then I found out later on yeah, you know, what happened. Yeah, for sure.
2: Crazy. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the 1's and Twos. Good morning, to you, Adrian. Speaking of being left behind, N- um,
3: do you remember are you no, September 11? Sure. <laughs>
5: talking about the rapture? You're, are you saying you weren't raptured? <laughs> I, I, no, I will be though. I will be raptured too. Uh-huh. Uh huh. No, no. I was in uh, pre K four when 911 uh, happened. So you remember so. vividly then? <laughs> yeah, not almost not at all. Almost we we didn't all. know much about um about what was going on. We got picked up from pre-K. My sister got picked up from elementary school, and uh, that's about
2: all I remember: is wow. getting taken up and then take, getting sent home. And wow. That's it. Well, yeah. I certainly remember the day. Um, being an old guy, you know, I, it was a very vivid day for me. But we'll talk maybe more about those experiences either later in today's show or tomorrow. Uh, we may have an opportunity to open the phone lines to let you, the audience, share your memories of 9-11. Uh, you're going to have to be on there the first hour. It'll uh, Maybe in the after show we could do it as well. But uh, So I'll send an email tonight to the CDT Insiders giving you the, the skinny on that. But if you would like to share your memories of 9-11 uh, being the 20-year anniversary, I can't believe it's been 20 years mm. since that uh, fateful day. Um, we'll give you the opportunity. We'll open the phone lines to do that. But as I said, we're going to have a, a conversation today with Dan Leroy. He published his book with the Sophia Institute Press, Liberty's Lions. By the way, so September 11th uh, reoccurs in history, famous historical dates, one of which connected to the American Revolution is September the 11th. I think it's 1777 in the Battle of Brandywine, and where, uh, depending on your perspective, you either saw George Washington uh, lose badly or if you were the French, you saw George Washington lose really well because he stood up to the most mighty army on the planet and uh – And even though he didn't win the day, he still proved himself as a commanding general. So interesting uh, to go back and look at September the 11th. But from the perspective of Islam, Al-Qaeda attacking our country, that is a very symbolic date. And we'll, we'll have that conversation again at 35 past. So let's pray. Let's dive in. We'll have breaking news and stories, saint of the day, gospel of the day, and a lot more. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary...
3: Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From LifeSite News, Mexico's top court discriminalizes abortion in Coahuila, and a massive 7.0 magnitude earthquake follows in Central Mexico. The Mexican Supreme Court struck down several articles that protected unborn life in the penal code of the Mexican state of Coahuila, potentially opening the door to legal abortion throughout Mexico. Also from LifeSite News, Florida vaccine passport bans goes into effect next week. Businesses that violate it will be fined 5K. Vaccine passports reduce individual freedom and harm patient privacy, a spokeswoman from Governor Dantes told LifeSite News, quote, stating, allowing businesses and educational institutes to require vaccine passports as a condition of entry or service would entrench an unfair two-tiered society, end quote. From LifeSite News, South Dakota governor has issued orders restricting chemical abortions, the Biden administration is working right now to make it easier to end the life of an unborn child via telemedicine abortion. This is not going to happen in South Dakota, said Governor Nome. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem has issued an executive order restricting telemedicine abortions and chemical abortions, while also seeking to emulate or go beyond Texas recently enacted Heartbeat Act. From Blaze News, President Joe Biden told 11 appointees from the Trump era that they must resign from the military academy advisory boards to be fired. The White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki confirmed on Wednesday that they had been served notice to resign or be fired. Also from Blaze News, fully vaccinated make up 30 to 40 percent of COVID hospital hospitalizations in Maryland counties. And the number is increasingly rapid, rapidly growing health data coming out of Maryland is reporting growing concerns about the warning effects of COVID-19 vaccines, especially against the Delta variant. From Catholic News Agency, new Wuhan bishop has consecrate, has been consecrated under terms of Vatican-China deal. A new bishop of Wuhan, China was ordained Wednesday under the terms of the Vatican-China Agreement. A Vatican spokesman has confirmed the newly ordained bishop is a Franciscan who is said to be close to the Chinese government. Also from Catholic News Agency, Catholic, Orthodox, and Anglican leaders together have called for a climate crisis a devastating injustice, they say. Pope Francis and Archbishop Justin Welby and Patriarch Martha Labeo released an unprecedented joint message on Tuesday calling the climate crisis a, quote, devastating injustice, end quote. The three Christian leaders said there would be a catastrophic consequence for future generations unless the world took responsibility for environmental damage. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Thursday.
5: The saint of the day is Blessed Maria de la Cabeza. She was born in the 12th century of at Uchera in Guadalajara, Spain. In Torleno, Guana, in Spain, she met and married St. Isidore, the farmer. She spent her life working on the farm and cleaning local chapels and shrines and helping the poor. The title of the head is due to her head being a relic venerated for centuries. By the way, the title of the head, meaning La, la Cabeza, it was because of her head was being uh, rel- venerated for centuries and the need to distinguish her from so many other. St. Mary's, because, you know, one of the most popular names for a very particular reason. And she died in 1175, and her relics were long displayed in the Franciscan convent in Torleguana, Spain. And her relics were moved to St. Andrew's Church in Madrid, Spain, in 1645, and interred beside St. Isidore. She was beatified by Pope Leo X, her is confirmed, and on the 11th of August, 1697, by Pope
2: Innocent twelfth. cultists are confirmed as well.
5: Blessed Maria de la
2: Cabeza, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. Jesus said to his disciples, To you who hear, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, Offer the other one as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount, but rather love your enemies and do good to them, and lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked be merciful just as also your father is merciful stop judging and you will not be judged stop condemning and you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven give and gifts will be given to you a good measure packed together shaken down and overflowing will be poured into your lap for the measure with which you measure will in turn be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose said, Now philosophy seems to divide justice into three parts. One towards God, which is called piety. Another towards our parents, or the rest of mankind. A third to the dead, that the proper rites may be performed. But the Lord Jesus, passing beyond the oracle of the law and the heights of prophecy, extend the duties of piety to those also who have injured us, adding, but love your enemies. But it really is just about giving uh, just and due, right? Give to those what is due to them, you know, the, the virtue of justice. We give God adoration because we owe it to him. We owe it to him. This is why we we go to Mass. This is why Sunday Mass is obligated. This is why it's a mortal sin to miss Sunday Mass, uh, dispensations aside. uh Hadock would say, Jesus Christ does not order us never to refuse a petition, but the meaning of his words is that we are to give what is just and reasonable. What will be neither injurious to ourself nor your family for what is unjustly asked may be justly denied. Love your enemies. The Ignatius Catholic commentary said, a revolutionary commandment under the old covenant, loving one's neighbor meant loving everyone within the covenant family of Israel. Jesus widens the scope of charity in the new, commanding a radical love that reaches out to everyone, even our enemies. But you know, here's the kicker. Uh, Oftentimes, I've talked about this yesterday, we sort of separate the old and the new as if they are two separate things. Well, they're not. It's one continuous family story. And in the Old, when God rescued the people of Israel out of slavery and bondage in Egypt, he set them aside, he set them apart, he consecrated them to himself with the purpose and intent to send them back as missionaries to bring the pagans home to the one family of God. But because of the golden calf and because their hearts turned back to paganism, they received the punishments of the covenant and they received the laws, the precepts. So instead of being set apart... To go back into the world to save others, they were too persuaded by the world. The world was too much of a temptation for them. Which means you and I have to live in this world, but we must not be of this world. To love one's neighbor is to share the ultimate truth and charity, which is Jesus Christ. To work and strive towards their their salvation. We'll be right back. What's Concerning us is coming up next.
6: The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time.
2: We are killing unborn children by the millions. Yet how
0: many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone?
6: Where are you? Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore.
2: Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, Coming up at 35 past the hour, Dan Leroy is going to be back on with us. He has that book, Liberty's Lions, Uh, where we're going to talk about 9 11, the connection back to uh, 1683 in the minds of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, Was this date chosen specifically by? Osama Bin Laden and the Al-Qaeda terrorists who attacked our country. We'll have that conversation with Dan Leroy at 35 past the hour. Joining us right now, though, from Familio Gondo is Aranza Loreto Castaneda. And uh, she is a graduate from the Pontifical Institute for Studies of Marriage and Family uh, in Mexico. And I think it's in Mexico City. But good morning to you, Aranza. Uh, you got to unmute your Zoom there, Aranza. It's good to have you on with us. Good morning to you again.
7: Yeah, good morning. Thank you so much for this invitation.
2: Yeah, praise be to God. We're grateful for your time today. Uh so we want to talk about the Supreme Court decision that came down uh the day before yesterday. Tell us uh, from your perspective uh what this means.
7: Well, I think for Mexico it's pretty sad, you know, for all Mexicans we are like we can't believe that it actually happened because it's just it's not a huge people that is th- they think that, that like that, you know. It's just a little bit of them. So it's, yeah, it's just a decision that it just concerns us. You know, it's really hard for for a lot of us. You know, it's just like we can't believe that it's actually happening.
2: You know, uh, from an outsider's perspective looking in, so take that with a grain of salt, right? But when I look into Mexico and what's going on there, my heart breaks. Um, Our Lady crushed the head of Satan himself by destroying the Aztec Empire and instead uh, up this country, this great Catholic country. But now we look in, into Mexico as an outsider, what we see is the cartels. We see drugs and human trafficking and corruption in the government, and we see Catholics losing their faith. Is that the case? Are those just uh, m- misconceptions, or what is life really like there for Catholics?
7: Well, I think we are Catholics more, I, I always say, like for culture. You know, like we grew up being Catholics, and we— as difference of the United States, I think that here in Mexico, we, you know, like, if you ask someone, like, is you're Catholic, there is no option, you know, like, there is not. I'm Protestant, you know, like, I'm, I'm Evangelic, so it's, I think that is because we grew up with the faith, you know, like, this is our culture, this is what we are, so I think that is something really sad because we, it's more like something cultural, and because of that, that's the reason that people, they don't know about their faith, and they don't know how to... Yeah, fight for it, you know, like they don't know how to do that because, yeah, that's, I I think that's the reason. So, yeah, obviously, you know, there is, yeah, all what you say about the country is not, it might not be the best. But I think it's uh, obviously, you know, like always in the news is worse than it, how it's actually it is, you know, mm. like I, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's, it's bad. But I think being Catholic in this country, I still feel that it's. A privilege, you know, to be here and to be Catholic, and I feel really proud of it. So, yeah.
3: As a young Catholic in Mexico, um, at Aranza, do you feel that um, there is a, a rise I- among young Catholics in Mexico that are pro-abortion or uh, pro-life? And I'm, I'm assuming in your circles, you probably have more pro-life uh, uh, young uh, community, but what, is the tr- what are the trends right now, culturally speaking, in Mexico with mm-hmm. the young people? Yeah.
7: Yeah, I think a lot of young people, you know, being, yeah, I, it's, it's a good question because actually, as you say, like my circle, thanks be to God is more like pro-life and, but also I still have people from, at least from my school when I was young and that they are not like, they're Catholic and they are pro-abortion, you know, so it's really hard. Mm. And I actually, yesterday I was watching her, you know, their Instagram accounts and it was like, what? Like, how do you, you can think about that. So I was trying to understand but well, not understand, just watching the reasons, you know, like why there were proversion and being Catholic for me, doesn't make sense, you know, because it's just like, yeah, people like kill each other, you know, like it's no sense, no sense for me. So I was just watching there and they were like, yeah, because I'm woman, you know, because I want to fight for the rights of them, you know, things like that, that is like, no sense you know like mm-hmm. no sense and but yeah thanks be to god like my circle people that is around me is just like you know like they are pro-life but it's still being catholics they're they're yeah they want their abortion you know for me it doesn't make sense
2: it's interesting when i became catholic in 1999 i had this uh naive thought uh in those early days of my faith that all catholics were the same we all believe the same and uh, and then I was shocked to, to realize that that was not the case, that there were a lot of Catholics who simply disregarded Catholic teaching. That really kind of shocked me very naively. But the, yesterday, when I, we were seeing the news come out of Mexico, not only about the Supreme Court uh, ruling, but also the earthquake and the insane video of, 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 of flashes of light all across Mexico City. Uh, and we wondered whether or not this was, uh, considered a sign, uh, from Our Lady about uh, this decision on her own birthday, nonetheless. Uh, but I, and I was about to share this content on my social feeds, but then I was struck with the thought of, golly, gee whiz, Joe, in your own country. We, you have embraced abortion for many decades. Millions and millions of children have been slaughtered at the altars of abortion mills in your own country. Who are you to uh, to, to judge? And I, but then the thought came to me, Aranza, Mexico is is Catholic, and and as Catholics we uphold the dignity of the human person. So, in some ways, I, I feel like Mexico ought to be held to a higher standard than America because America was never Catholic. America was founded by Protestants and on uh, Protestant ideals and is now losing itself into secularism. Uh, how do you feel? Do, do, you, do you hold Mexico to a higher standard as I would?
7: Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm still, I still believe in my country. <laughs> I still believe... And I think that, you know, this is land of her lady, you know, this is her home. So that's my hope. At least that for me, it's my hope that this is her land, you know, so she's, this is going to be better than it shall, you know, like things are going. And yeah. And now that you, I was listening to you, when you, you say that you became Catholic, I always say that that's something that really impressed about it, um, at least for for me from the United States is that people that they are Catholic, at least they are serious Catholics, you know, like they really like they really feel, you know, like they they are Catholics, you know, like they really care about their faith. Nowadays I think, yeah, I so I don't want that other countries, you know, came to, to teach us our faith because like this is Catholic, you know, our our country is Catholic. So I still have Hope in my country because this is you know land of Our Lady, so I think that Our Lady is going to protect the country and yeah. So it was actually pretty sad because when, as you say, all these news came, yeah, and every everything came out, uh, yeah, like how to say like phenomenal stuff, you know, from yeah, like start happening. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but at did you least, see? You know,
2: did you see the earthquake as a sign?
7: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was that, that was yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to say. I, I really did not Remember the word in English.
2: <laughs> so you did. So, did you see it? That as a sign? Did the Mexican people see that as a response? I
7: definitely see it. I definitely see it as a sign. It's just, and actually, you know, I I, I definitely say like our Lord is mad. You know, mm. and I I don't live in Mexico City, so I'm a little bit far away. I'm kind of in the middle. I live in Jalisco, and we didn't feel it at least at home. We didn't feel it, but. It was raining a lot, so we were, and it was, you know, like here in my in my state, well, in my sorry, in my city, when it rains, like we definitely say that we don't need cars, we need boats because it's <laughs> a lot of a lot yeah. of water, you know. <laughs> so being here in, you know, like having this rain, we were saying like our Lord is crying, you know, it's crying because, and he's pretty sad about it, you know. This is not like no, this is this is bad. So I would definitely say it as a sign.
2: We're talking with Oranza Loreto Castaneda. She is with Familio Gondo, and she is a, a graduate of the JP2 Pontifical Institute for Studies in Marriage and Family. About the situation in Mexico, uh, what can pro-lifers do now? Um, it looks like Mexico is headed in the same direction the United States is, which, again, saddens me uh, to see that's the case. Uh, will pro-lifers have an uphill battle now as, as abortion becomes more prevalent in your country?
7: Sorry, can you repeat the question, please? What
2: will be the future of the pro-life movement in Mexico now with this Supreme Court decision?
7: Well, I really, it's pretty hard to to think about that, you know, to think and to say what is going to happen. I really, I I still think that it won't change anything, but that would be my thought. But definitely it will change stuff, you know, because they want to, you know, they want the version, they want, and it's. Yeah. So at least my thought is that there, I, or it's not my thought, it's my wish, you Mm. know, (laughs) that nothing changed, but I definitely think that things will change with the pro-life movements. And because, and you know what, thinking about this, it's just like, it's not a huge group. It's just a few people. They want this. I don't know how it's, well, I know why, because they, yeah, you know, like they are against the Catholics. Mm. So, but it's just a, (laughs) a little, group that they want this and they are having like I don't know how they are able to have like this huge how to say like um,
3: impact the the, the yeah. impact that they're having even though they're small yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. like
7: so frustrating for me it's like <laughs> why like how they are able like and I don't know at least my guess is like probably because Catholics are not formed, you know, like we don't have the formation or we don't care about our faith. And that's why this is destroying, you know, that's why we are losing, you know, everything. So I think that the pro-life movement, it's going to start to lose a little bit if we don't like, you know, yeah. If we don't learn more, sure. you know, if we don't like, yeah, if yeah. we don't know more, like that's, at least that's my guess. So <laughs> you,
3: would you say that the remedy is um, because you said uh, Catholics in Mexico are not well-formed, uh, would you say formation is is, is what Mexico needs? Uh, intellectual formation about uh, the abortion issue.
7: Yeah, I think I definitely think that's that's what we need as Mexicans because uh, I think sometimes we can be a little bit lazy, you know. So it's like, eh, we know, like we we can't like it might not feel like we don't like maybe a lot of studying, and but I think it's really important, you know, to have the formation. I think that's something really really important to. Yeah, go through. So, yeah, that that
2: will be my... Last question. Last question. We have just about a minute uh, before we have to say goodbye. Uh, The traditional movement in Mexico, uh, we're big fans of the traditional uh, Catholic mass. Uh, How is the traditional movement in Mexico? You got about 60 seconds.
7: Oh, well, (laughs) this is... The traditional movement in Mexico is growing. That's what I can say. Like, and as, you know, like, yeah, as Catholics and young Catholics, it's growing a lot. So Mm -hmm. I something that thanks be to god uh i'm glad to say that you know that it's coming a lot of people and actually you know during this pandemic a lot of people arrived, at least to my church they, have, hmm. they came a lot because they were see- looking that you know like they don't have the the community in hand you know like a lot of stuff so thanks be to god is growing even you know other <laughs> news that we have a lot of people is coming to the church, so I definitely, I'm happy about that.
2: Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Well, Aranza Loreto, Castaneda, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you and Familio Gondo for uh, being on our program and giving us some insight into the faith and the situation in Mexico. God bless you. God love you, and have a great day.
7: Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks All so
2: right. Nice we're going to go to break. We're going to come back, and we're going to have breaking news and stories uh, with Janice. And, then, of course, we're going to jump into our conversation about a famous date in the history of the world. It wasn't by accident. And to have that conversation, Dan Leroy is going to be on the program. It's all coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Share it with a friend. We'll be right back.
0: Whenever Christians judge some behavior to be immoral, we're often hit with Matthew 7-1, where Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. But this is a misreading of the text because just a few verses later in verse 5 he gives us precise instruction on how to judge. He says, First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus, therefore, is not saying that we can't judge a behavior to be immoral. His point is that we need to have a forgiving and merciful attitude toward others as God has toward us. And when we do judge a behavior to be wrong, and encourage our brother to avoid it, we need to make sure that we're first a credible witness living an upright life. I'm Carlo Brusard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
5: Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro life organizations, offering their clients a faith based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
3: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From Epic Times, a group of 51 employees of a Detroit healthcare organization has filed a lawsuit on Tuesday challenging their employees' COVID-19 vaccine mandates. From Catholic News Agency, Mexican Supreme Court invalidates state pro-life law. Mexican Supreme Court on Tuesday invalidated several articles that protected life from the con- life from conception. In the penal code of the state of Coahuila, the ruling is expected to have a statewide effect throughout Mexico. From Epic Times, at least 41 people have been killed and dozens more injured after a fire broke out in an overwhelming, crowded Indonesian prison near the capital city of Jakarta on September 8th. Vice President Kamala Harris on Wednesday returned to her home state of California to campaign for Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom, who faces a recall election in the country's most populous state. From Epic Times, on September 8th, the Biden administration's Department of Energy issued a new report, the Solar Futures Study, which claims solar energy could power 40% of the U.S. grid by 20. 35 and 45% of the grid by 2050. From Epic Times, global non life premiums to, are expected to rise 10% above pre pandemic levels by the end of 2021 and increase further the following year, driven in part by a growing need for protection against the impact of climate change. From Daily Wire, Taliban is holding stranded American citizens hostage for, re- for demand rights. Representative Michael McCall, the ranking member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, said during an interview on Sunday that the Taliban is effectively holding American citizens hostage in Afghanistan by not allowing several airplanes to leave. And lastly from Catholic News Agency, the Diocese of Charlotte has said the law and religious freedom precedents are on its side despite a federal judge's ruling that a Catholic high school illegally discriminated when it said it would no longer hire a substitute teacher who announced that he would contract a same-sex marriage. The ruling both applies a new Supreme Court decision that defines sex discrimination to include sexual orientation and holds that other religious freedom rulings do not apply. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you, and have a blessed Thursday.
2: Praise be to God in all things. Uh, Thank you, Janice, for keeping us up to date. Uh, Dan Leroy joins us now. He is the author of Liberty's Lions, uh, the Catholic Revolutionaries Who Established America, published by Sophia Institute Press. We talked to him about that, I don't know, a couple months ago, but it's good to have you back on the program. Good morning to you, Dan Leroy.
6: Hey, likewise. Thank you so much for having me back on the show.
2: Yeah, it's 20-year anniversary of 9-11 coming up on Saturday, and uh, I'm, I'm a history uh, – I love history, so when I'm in my free time, I like to read history books, go through history books. Now, I've been going through a lot of American Revolutionary books lately. I'm going through Valley Forge right now and uh, and and a bunch of others. And um, September the 11th came up, and, uh, and it kind of – I had forgotten that the Brandywine – uh, battle was on september 11th, 1777 and i was thinking about that date and the in the history of that date and i've heard a lot of commentary on uh that date in particular from the muslim mind is very important and then the thought came to my mind was well could september the 11th have been an arbitrary date picked by osama bin laden and the al-qaeda group that attacked our country and I, we wondered if we might uh, have a conversation with you around that subject what, what are your thoughts on that
6: Well, clearly for centuries uh, in the Muslim world, September 11th and really September 12th as well, because the the date kind of spreads over two days, is not really an arbitrary date. For a long time it was a date that would have lived in infamy uh, in the Muslim world because it was the anniversary of this failed siege of Vienna And in a lot of historians' minds, it's a siege that kind of closed the door to the West uh, to Muslims, really, for centuries afterward. And it's an amazing story because, you know, there have been several over the the course of history, several attempts uh, by Muslims to uh, invade and colonize the West, but really... This one, in, in 1683, this is the one that should have worked. There's absolutely no reason <laughs> at all that this siege of Vienna should have failed. If you look at the numbers, if you look at the, the underlying background, this one should have been the one that did it. And the fact that it didn't is certainly one of those historical miracles for certain.
2: You know, it's a fascinating story, actually, Uh, this massive Ottoman army that has allegiances in Europe, Hungary being among them, um, and comes and surrounds Vienna and on their way to Rome, and uh, the, as you said, they should have got this done. But if it wasn't for the Polish king, they would have gotten it done. The Polish king saves the day. The one guy that nobody really thought could really, you know, because he's Polish. I mean, good, good, good grief. Can anything good come from Poland, right? And uh, and he really uh, amazingly routes the Ottoman Empire, uh, vastly outnumbered, but by his strategy and his sheer determination, uh, it really gets it done. Let me just read this quote to you from Hilara Belloc, which I found very fascinating in relation to this. This comes from his great heresies he published this in 1938 he says quote it has always seemed to me possible and even probable that there would be a resurrection of islam and that our sons and our grandsons would see the renewal of that tremendous struggle between the christian culture and what has been for more than a thousand years its greatest opponent The suggestion that Islam may re-arise sounds fantastic, but that is only because men are always powerfully affected by the immediate past. One might say that they are blinded by it. But now, but not so very long ago, less than a hundred years before the Declaration of Independence, Vienna was almost taken and only saved by the Christian army under the command of the King of Poland. On a date that ought to be among the most famous in history, September 11th, 1683, unquote, Hilaire Belloc. Um, I guess we can't understate it enough then.
6: Well, it's a particularly prescient quote when you think that at the time he was writing this, remember in particular, there's really no Ottoman Empire anymore. Turkey has become a, a secular state. It's kind of at a low, low ebb. And the fact that he could foresee Uh, a turn of events that I think we've all kind of lived to experience it, it shows you a smart guy. He really was. So
2: do you think, I get the impression that America has lost its sense of history. I mean, I've heard you talking about, uh, in your Liberty's Lines interviews, talking about this effort to reinvent history in a sort of a political agenda bias these days. Um, do you see that that w- could be a dangerous uh, precedent because history tends to repeat itself?
6: I think it's dangerous. I think it, it, it's clearly dangerous, I, I think, if you want to be optimistic and I, I don't think this is really cause for much optimism, but if, if you want to look at it through a certain prism, you could say, well, most efforts to reinvent history are probably not going to get a lot of traction for the simple reason that most people just aren't interested in history, period. They're not interested in real history. They're not interested in reinvented history. History is just a thing that happened, and it doesn't have any relevance to my life, and why should I pay any attention to it at all? That certainly makes the ground more fertile for people who want to reinvent it, and there's a lot of them out there today, as you well know. But there's this bigger thing, I I think, and I I hate to say this as, as somebody who is a teacher But I am. And so I got to say it. I think there is just a a broader sense in which history is is it's just not a thing to spend any time on whatsoever. It happened. It's over with. And there's no relevance. There's no connection to any of us. Uh, Again, I said that's a tempered optimism. And I think overall, that's kind of a depressing state of affairs. But I kind of think that's where we are today.
2: You know, uh, this morning, as the show opened, I was asking my two young colleagues, uh, there about their memories of 9-11. I remember the day very vividly. I was living in New Hampshire at the time and a blue sky, uh, beautiful day that morning. And, uh, one of the things that really caught my attention was the lack of airplanes in the sky which seemed, I mean, something you don't really pay attention to. It's sort of, uh, you take it for granted there's airplanes up there. But on that day, when they shut down all of the air traffic and the sky got eerily quiet and still, that really uh, caught my attention. Uh, what were you on that day and what were your memories?
6: Um, you know, I don't have a, a, a great story. I don't I have one that is observational in that way. I was probably like lots and lots of people I was at home on that morning and and uh, the TV was on and things were interrupted. And, you know, we saw the footage of the first tower and then shortly afterward, the second tower. And, you know, again, my my experience is a lot of people's experience. What I remember the most is just the. Um, and what I think you don't. or it, It's hard to get this. It's hard to get any of it across to somebody who wasn't alive at the time and i have a class full of students who are going to be coming in here in a few minutes none of them were alive they everything they've heard is wow. second hand
2: makes you feel old <laughs> doesn't it
6: <laughs> it really does but but what i remember the most more even than the the you know the the obvious visual things is this nobody knew what was going on yeah and and this is oh know, hold that not thought
2: That music means we got to take a short break, but uh, Dan Leroy is our guest. His website is danleroy.com. He's got uh, several books out, but one is Liberty's Alliance. Great book. I encourage you to check that out. But we're going to continue our conversation on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, looking back, connecting the dots after this very short break. Don't go anywhere. Got to drive down. But be right back.
1: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the expression, free love? Do you know what it means? It means false love. True love does not want to be free. It wants to bind itself. It wants to give everything and forever. It wants to make a vow, a promise that it will keep. G.K. Chesterton says, The man who makes a vow makes an appointment with himself at some distant time or place. The question is, will he keep the vow? That's the adventure. The perils and the punishment must be real. If I bet, I must be made to pay. Or there's no poetry in betting. If I challenge, I must be made to fight. Or there's no poetry in challenging. And if I vow to be faithful, I must be cursed when I'm unfaithful. Or there's no fun in vowing. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
2: Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. so good to be on with you. Dan Leroy is our guest. DanLeroy.com is his website. Uh, really encourage you to check out his book, Liberty's Lions, The Catholic Revolutionaries Who Established America. Uh, love that kind of thing. That's my kind of reading, man. I love it. Uh, welcome back to the Thank program, you. Dan Leroy. Uh, we're talking about the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11 and uh, the fact that you have a classroom full of people coming in who have weren't even alive at the time. Again, making me feel very old, but whatever. Um, you know, I, I, I am going back to the theme of I'm just very concerned about history repeating itself because unlike in 1683, September the 11th. When the king of Poland, who, by the way, this guy was so rock solid that before he took his army to rescue Vienna uh, from his tiny little country of Poland, he threatened his uh, neighbor in Hungary and said, if while I'm gone, you invade my country, I will come back and kill you. Like, (laughs) you got to love that. Okay, that's pretty rock solid.
6: Well, and and he did it because this guy is and I think we see this quality in heroic people lot. this guy was a gambler. He took pretty much the entire Polish army with him as part of this expeditionary force, something like 25,000 men. Poland is pretty much unprotected while he leads this force to Vienna. So when he made that threat, uh, you know, he he had to do that because there's really nobody back home protecting his country.
2: It kind yeah. of reminded me a little bit. Of, I hate to digress into Revolutionary American Revolution, but I, I can't help but see some of the themes. Uh, George Washington, Dorchester Heights, and the, the siege of Boston. In the middle of the night, constructing the redoubts and, and hauling the cannon up high, they woke up to cannon fire that they couldn't respond to. Like That's pretty impressive. Sobieski did the same thing. He carried his cannon up a hill that, that the uh, Mustafa said, oh, there's no way anybody's going up that. And it made the difference. It, he, he routed their vastly superior forces on that faithful day uh so but in, in, in uh john sobieski's day we had we had the holy league we had crusaders we had uh, kings that we could call on to bring their armies to to bear against the ottoman empire against the muslim uh uh invaders we don't have that anymore dan that's gone we don't have christian armies to call upon
6: we don't have it. I guess if you're looking for a silver lining in this, you can think back to Pope Innocent at the time that this force of 200,000 uh, comes out of Constantinople toward Vienna. And, and Pope Innocent saying like, look, we need a, uh, we need Christian soldiers to come forward to defend the West. And the truth is that a lot of people didn't take him up on that call there were a lot of people back then and you know europe is is in the aftermath of the 30 years war there are certainly a lot of of divisions and so a lot of people said eh you know in fact the the thinking is at the time that one of the reasons that uh the grand vizier uh orders this march on vienna is because the french have kind of sent signals like listen, if you do this, we're not going to interfere. Uh, we're no fans of the Habsburgs, so whatever you do, go ahead and do it. So I guess the point of that is, even back then, I suppose there were divided loyalties. There were people who kind of put their own interests before the, the interests of the common good, the common good being, in this case, the Christian West. And I suppose, the, again, the, the silver lining part of it is it only takes one guy. Like a King Jan III Sobieski to come forward and and rally the troops. One guy really can make a difference. Now, I don't know who that one guy is. <laughs> now, I don't yeah. know who the modern equivalent is, but I know. And you mentioned George Washington, and that's another example. One guy really can make a difference, and that's I, I hope a thought that we can kind of take to heart in mm. in the. In the current landscape, which isn't all that encouraging. No, I, it I isn't. Admit.
2: I mean, just from a history perspective, I saw the headline that uh, they removed uh, the statue of General Lee the other day. I think it was from Richmond, Virginia, was it not? I mean, I don't. I don't have to agree with the politics of General Lee to appreciate the history of General Lee. Uh, what? Why have we lost our minds?
6: Uh, Well, I think it goes back to what we were just talking about a, a couple of minutes ago. If you're completely divorced from history as a thing that has any relevance to your own life, and it's certainly a lot easier to convince you that anything that's happened before is ripe to be discarded. And sometimes I think it's less about uh, you know, what we would call cancel culture and the fact that these guys are problematic, that they have views that don't line up with our current way of thinking. Sometimes I think it's less about that and just more about this general disinterest in history. And I don't know whether that's better or worse. I think in some ways you could say that's worse uh, because it's just a, a lack of caring about any of this stuff at all. Uh, In other words, less knowing what General Lee did than knowing that he did anything at all Mm. as just some guy.
3: And Dan, why do you think that a lot of the younger generations uh, don't uh, appreciate history or what is do you do you have any philosophies behind why that is?
6: I'm so glad you asked. Yes, I do. Young Mm -hmm. people don't. Get interested in history because we, the adults, have failed them completely on that score. We have showed them that history doesn't matter. And what I mean by that is if you look at any set of standardized testing, you will find we test in English, we test in math, we probably test in science, although we usually don't count it because that's a problematic area too. Mm -hmm. An area we don't test in is history.
3: Yeah, it's true.
6: because we don't want to see the results of the fact that we failed to teach it, and young people mm. are not dumb. They see when you don't hold them to account for that, it must not be very important. So we're not going to spend any time on it. Mm.
3: Yeah, I can, I can, te- cool. te- I can testify. Growing up as a millennial, I, I everything was about STEM. Growing up, STEM, science, technology, uh, math, like. E- If you if you majored in STEM and a STEM degree or you had um, great um, grades in STEM, then you were seen as like the most intelligent in the room. And that was uh, history and liberal arts and philosophy and psychology were kind of put on the back burner. Um, And and people didn't really see that as. prestigious degrees Mm. to look into yeah unfortunately
2: one of the things that i remember from 9-11 so 2001 obviously i wasn't there in 1683 i don't care what adrian says i'm not that old but uh i remember that everybody went to church after that everybody filled the pews and it lasted for i don't know probably a few months and then it began to wane, and everybody went back to their normal uh state prior to 9-11 um I worry about the next 9-11. Obviously, it would seem that we were making decisions as a country on an international scale that might uh, open the way, pave the way for a future 9-11 to reoccur. Do you see that, Dan? Are you also concerned with that? And I guess I bring up the church attendance because I feel like the faith being skin deep is going to be a real tragedy for a lot of people to be caught in these sort of circumstances.
6: I mean— I agree, certainly, and I think what we you know, God forbid that there actually is uh, another 911. But I think in 9/11 and 2001, I think in a lot of ways the faith is skin deep then, and it's that sort of manifestation of what we talk about all the time that like God's there if you got a problem. And only when you have a problem. When you got a problem, go to God. And I think that's why the churches fill up and then they empty out in a few months. What I think is possible the next time around is we've lost the ability to even say, hey, I go to God when there's a problem. Mm. Maybe not then, or certainly not to the same degree. And if you look at all the polling, the polling clearly shows that we have become a much, much more secular nation in that 20-year period. So will there be that same impulse again Uh, if there is such an event? I I don't know. I would would hate to have to see what that looks like firsthand, but it's certainly something to be concerned about.
5: Yeah, I think so, too, considering the summer of 2020 and seeing how churches were closed, people... We're not returning to church. And then afterwards, uh, when everything's finally opened, uh, the, the pews stayed empty. And it's, it's very uh, disheartening. And, and you're right. I think it's very hard to see, uh, to look forward and say, yeah, the pews will be full if something crazy happens. It's more likely people will go into decadence in order to appease their, uh,
2: their despair. Hmm. I just got an email from a listener that's uh, at, uh, inviting me to look into September the 11th, 1226 in reg- in regards to uh, adoration. So I'm going to be looking at that uh, that link you sent me, Mark. Thanks for doing that. We appreciate it. Um, we have a, about a minute and a half or so left uh, with Dan Leroy. Dan, what if you had to narrow it down to like one or two historical lessons that we need to learn from, or else we we, we uh, are at risk of repeating, what would they be? Can you think of anything off the top of your head that you really feel like our priorities?
6: Uh, you know, the first priority is what we've been talking about this whole conversation. Study history. Know something about history. It's really difficult to, to take any deeper lessons away from this if you don't have any kind of basis on which to, to put the lessons on. But beyond that, You know, there's this theory, they call it the great man theory in history, and it's become kind of widely discredited, this idea that one person makes the difference because, of course, history is thought to be so complex that any one person doesn't really make a difference. I don't agree with that, and I think what makes history great is the idea that there were great men, and we've just been talking about a couple of them today. And I think the great man theory is important because it also reminds all of us, just beyond the historical lessons, that what we do does make a difference. We're not just cogs in some historical machine. What we do, the choices that we make, they're important. And that's a thing that I would love to see come back. I think the discrediting the great man theory is emblematic of a lot of other problems in society today.
2: Amen. Amen. Dan Leroy, we're grateful for your time. He is the author of Liberty's Alliance, the Catholic Revolutionaries Who Established America. You should check it out. You can find it on Sophia Institute Press's website, but you can also just go to his website, danleroy.com. That's danleroy.com. Dan, thank you for your time today. God bless you. God love you, my friend.
6: Thank you, guys, for having me on. God bless you all, too.
2: All right. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us. We'll be posting this conversation on our social feeds later. You can find everything linked up. Watch live and comment live right on our website at grnonline.com. That's uh, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Join us in the next hour. Play the Fear and Trembling Game Show. You might win prizes. It's a lot of fun. You should try. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for another Catholic Drive Time.
0: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired.
1: The Bible says to call
3: no man father. So why do we call our priests father?
4: In Matthew 23, verse 9, it says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Notice that this verse makes no distinction between spiritual fathers, which is what priests are, and biological fathers. This passage says that no man is to be called father. Therefore, you cannot distinguish between calling a priest father and calling the man who is married to your mother father. But is that actually what this passage is saying? Or is Jesus warning us against trying to usurp the fatherhood of God, which is what the Pharisees and scribes were doing? They wanted all attention focused on them. They were leaving God, the father, out of the equation. And even if you just interpret this passage from Matthew 23 as an absolute ban against calling anyone your spiritual father, then there are some problems for you in the rest of Scripture. For example, Jesus in the story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16 has the rich man referring to Abraham as father several times. Paul in Romans 4 refers to Abraham as the father of the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. Spiritual fatherhood, not biological fatherhood. In Acts 7 and then in Acts 22, first Stephen and then Paul refer to the Jewish priest and elders. As brothers and fathers, spiritual fatherhood. So if you interpret Matthew 23 as saying we cannot call anyone our spiritual father, then you have to believe that Jesus, Paul, and Stephen all got it wrong. It is okay to call priests our spiritual fathers today. We are simply imitating the example given us by Jesus, Paul, and Stephen, all of whom who use the term in a spiritual sense. As long as we remember that our true Father is God the Father and that all aspects of our fatherhood, biological and spiritual, are derived from Him.
0: A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
2: Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic
0: Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk
1: about Him. Getting you started on your day.
0: With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's
1: serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time.
0: Now here's your host,
2: Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you. Praise be to God. And I have in my hands here the trivia questions for the upcoming trivia game segment coming up 15 past the hour where prizes are given away. We have a great prize pack, a whole bundle of stuff to give to somebody. Could be you. You could win. It's possible. Uh, All you got to do is be the caller when I give you the phone number. But if you want to hedge your bet, if you want to increase your odds, all you got to do is go to our website and uh, click on the link for the game show takes you down to where the phone number is listed, the rules, all of that. And you can find that on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Tomorrow is uh, our, obviously, it's Friday, our last show of the week. It's September the 10th. Saturday is September the 11th, the 20-year anniversary of September the 11th, uh, the attacks on our country by al-Qaeda and we want to know what you uh what your memories were. And so what we're going to do uh tomorrow in our first hour at uh, the 6:15 Central 7:15 Eastern, we're going to open the phone lines and let you call in and share uh, a brief memory of 911 for you. So uh be sure to be up early, on the program early and have the phone number ready. It's the same as the game show and I'll give that to you tomorrow uh when we do open the phone lines. But if you'd like to share your memories of 911, tune in tomorrow in the first hour. We'll let you do that. Good morning to you, Janice.
3: Good morning, Joe.
2: Praise be to God. Good conversations last hour.
3: Yeah, we had some great conversations. Loved um our our guests from Mexico. Aranza. Islands. Yeah. Yeah, and I I love that. Um, she she messaged me right after the show, and she said that she loved your last question. That it brought joy to her heart. Praise God. Because um, she definitely says that the traditional Catholic community in Mexico is growing. Yeah. And, uh, Guadalajara has um, a seminary of SF, FSSP there, or they have a, not a seminary. They have a, 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 a pre seminary. Yeah. They, and it's growing and like. Wonderful,
2: that's wonderful. Praise be to God. Well, we'll mm-hmm. have to have Aranza back. Uh, it's good to get some insight into the uh, into the situation in Mexico with the abortion law there, plus the Catholic community. So we we're very grateful for her. And then Dan Leroy was on to talk about the history behind the date of nine eleven. So we had a wonderful conversation that links back to sixteen eighty three and how that uh, date nine eleven wasn't arbitrary. There's a lot of historical significance there. Uh, So, uh, Robert Spencer would be a great guest on that topic as well, but uh, at any rate, good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning, good morning. It's
5: good to be here. Praise be to God. Absolutely. And uh, today, let's uh, pray for our friend uh, John, who died yesterday after he went to Holy Mass, went Mm. to Holy League at at a local parish, and he uh, fell over dead um, afterwards. So, praise be to God that he was able to die at the church, was able to... Uh, go to receive the sacraments. But uh, yeah, on a, on a let's a pray feast, for his repose. On, on a
3: feast day too with our Lady. Yeah. What a, what a ble- <laughs> No, St. <Saint>, uh, <laughs> our, our Lady's just, Nativity. Oh, lady. that too. That too. Yeah.
2: Come now. Uh, our Lady's. It was our Lady's birthday. But yes, let's pray for his uh, repose, please. Thank yeah. you very much. Amen. Uh, please, God, have mercy upon John. Um, let's pray and dive into our program today. We're going to have. Uh, Good news stories coming up in a moment. Uh, Praise be to Jesus. The second hour is always the good news. The first hour, we get into the tough stuff. Okay, so first hour is a little bit more intense, heavy hitting. Uh, You know, the the news segments there are a little bit rougher, but in the second hour, it's all good news, upbeat. Then, of course, we're going to do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then we're going to play Fear and Trembling. A Catholic Trivia Game Show where prizes are involved and you, my dear listener, could win, but you do have to be the caller when I give you the phone number, so call early and and be ready to go. That'd be wonderful. But let's dive in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided inspired by this confidence i fly unto thee o virgin of virgins my mother to thee do i come before thee i stand sinful and sorrowful O mother of the word incarnate despise not my petitions but in thy mercy hear and answer me amen in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost and now the good news with janice valenzuela
3: welcome back friends to catholic drive time i'm janice valenzuela and here are your headline news for today From Catholic News Agency, Pope Francis sent 15,000 ice creams to prisoners in Rome as the the Eternal City sweltered, sweltered in the summer heat. The Vatican announced on Tuesday the gelato ice creams were taken to Regina, Celli, and Rabidia prisons by the papal Cardinal Cunard Kurowski from Alatea, new multimedia platform created by young millennials called The Real and True takes the catechism to younger generations. As the catechism of the Catholic Church turns 30, a new project makes its pages come alive for a new generation for many catholic and non-believers the catechism is seen as simply a reference book or a set of rules says the project founder edmund reyes for real and true catechism from voa news brazil has placed a 90-day suspension on the use of more than 12 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines because they were made in a plant that did not that was not authorized by Anvisa Brazil's federal health regulator Reuters reported several cities in Brazil had begun providing vaccine booster shots even though most citizens have not yet received their second jab the booster shots were prompted by con- by concerns, concerned older Brazilians who thought the, the effective vaccine should have been abolished. From National Catholic Register, Pope Francis on Sunday asked for prayers for his visit later this month to the heart of Europe, a four-day pilgrimage to Europe, which will be his first travel since surgery earlier this summer from Catholic News Agency religious doctors and hospitals in the united in the us will not be forced to perform gender transition procedures after a federal court this past wednesday blocked the the so-called transgender mandate of the biden administration from crux now Indian Catholics take part in the National Biking for Babies on the last day of a grueling, week-long journey that tested people's heart and spirits. A 26-year-old Catholic woman from Indianapolis took the lead of a team of cyclists preparing to meet with other groups from across the country for for a triumphant ride. They rode together the last mile towards the Celebration of Life finish line in St. Louis. From Crux Now, Texas bishops have applauded the Supreme Court's decision from last week to block a new law banning most abortions in the state, noting it's the first time the nation's highest court has allowed a pro-life law to remain in place while, while legislation proceeds in lower courts. Quote, he states, we celebrate every life saved by legislation this past week, end quote. The state's 20 bishops said, adding to the statement that the attempts by opponents of the law to dehumanize the unborn are deeply disturbing. From Crux Now, Pope Francis has called on the government of Taliban to continue to provide education for the children and the most vulnerable among them. Francis said, I pray that many countries will welcome and protect the young children seeking a new life. I pray also for the intentionally displaced person that may receive assistance and the necessary protection from church militant nearly a year and a half ago, the Vatican media fiasco involving snippets of a commentary by Pope Francis spliced together in a high profile documentary to create a soundbite endorsing same sex civil unions is now screening that same documentary for a group of migrants and refugees. On Monday, Francesco, the producer, a Russian-Jewish filmmaker, Avengi will be shown in the Vatican's new Synod Hall for a group of 130 migrants and refuge, refuge families. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Thursday.
5: The saint of the day is Blessed Maria de la Cabeza. She was born in the 12th century at Uceda, Guadalajara, Spain. And in Spain, she met and married to, she married Saint Isidore, the farmer. She spent her life working on the farm, cleaning local chapels and shrines and helping the poor. The title of the head, that is La Cabeza, is due to her head being a relic venerated for centuries. And the need to distinguish her from so many other St. Marys. And there are a lot of St. Marys. She died in 1175, and her relics were displayed in a Franciscan convent in Spain, but were moved to St. Andrew's Church in Madrid in 1645 and interred beside St. Isidore. She was beatified by Pope Leo X, a cultist confirmed, and on 11th of August, 1697, by Pope Innocent XII, cultist confirmed. She, blessed Maria de la Cabeza,
2: pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. Jesus said to his disciples, to you who hear, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount, but rather love your enemies and do good to them and lend expecting nothing back, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give and gifts will be given to you, a good measure. Packed together, shaken down, and overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For the measure with which you measure will in turn be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. St. Ambrose would say, "'How great the reward of mercy, which is received into the privilege of divine adoption! For it follows, and ye shall be the sons of the highest. Follow, then, mercy!' that ye may obtain grace. Widely spread is the mercy of God. He pours his rain upon the unthankful. The fruitful earth refuses not its increase to the evil. Hence it follows, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. St. Ambrose, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, there's a few things. One thing to start off with,
5: is uh, Saint Corn- Cornelius Lapide, always call him Saint? He needs to be canonized, so I don't have to make this mistake anymore. Freudian slip, and uh, you know, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe just uh, spoiler alert. So he, uh, so he says, "quote I have denounced," is saying referring to our Lord's comments at the, and verse twenty seven at the beginning there. I have denounced woe against the wicked, but to you who hear my words and seek the salvation of your souls, I give as a first and chief commandment that you should love your enemies. So this is a very important quote. Why is that? Because here he's saying, look, for everyone who does not hear me, well, this is woe unto the wicked. And Cornelius Lapide, and previously has referred to the word woe, saying every time scripture says the word woe, they're referring to damnation, to hell. And so he's saying the first and most important commandment is love your enemies. If you love your enemies, then your salvation of your soul, uh, you will have your salvation of your soul. Second thing, uh, according to Lopide, verse 30, he quote, says, quote, for a man must ask us to give his money for a wrongful purpose or even to commit actual sin. Hence, we are only bound to give that which as far as we know will neither be hurtful to ourselves or to him that receiveth the gift. And in case we refuse to give, we must justify our refusal. So this is important because I was actually, it's kind of funny because me and my friends were actually having a debate about this, about should we give money to people if we have a reasonable belief or reasonable knowledge that they will use the money for bad things? Mm. And Cornelius seems to say here that we should not, and he proves this in the next verse by saying, quoting St. Augustine, saying, "...to everyone therefore that asketh of thee, give not always that which he asks, but oftentimes that which is better." And so here he's making the point. So kind of the idea is like, oh, should I give a homeless person money that's asking for it? Well, Augustus says, well, don't always give them what they ask, but something that they, which is better for them. Yeah. And Coruscant, but makes the same point. He says earlier on right there, he says, yes, we are obliged to give to all when they ask, but we're not obliged to give what they ask. So there's a difference there.
2: Yeah, amen. and then
5: finally, the last point is uh, which we don't have enough time to go into is loans. Of course, Slapday, has a whole thing maybe about usury. Show. But there yeah, we go. Maybe we can talk about that in the app show. By the way, I need I need a loan. If you could just give uh, me some money, you know, well, by lending money, I yeah. purchased for myself an enemy and lost a friend. <laughs> You'll
2: get it back. Don't worry. Don't worry. You'll get it back. Or maybe not. Hey, it's time to play the game, Uh, Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where where you could win some prizes, dear listener. All you need to do is make a phone call, and you need to do that right now. The phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. If you've never played, great opportunity. Or it's been a while, call back, 877-757-9424, 877-757. We'll be right back. is up next.
7: We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, We'd like to invite you home. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.org.
0: Protestants like to use James 2.10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with The Ready Reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over 1 billion in our family sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home.
1: Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling, the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants it's a 50 50 chance and prizes are involved avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth call now to take your shot 877-757-9424 and now your host
2: joe mcclain praise be to jesus christ and welcome back to catholic drive time and fear and trembling the catholic trivia game show where we have a secret and hidden agenda and uh please do me a favor. Don't tell anybody what I'm about to share with you. We like to keep this just between us. But there are a few things we like to do during the game show segment. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might just learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God for that. And of course, we like to have fun. And our listeners, our callers, our contestants tend to be a really good time. They laugh with us. They're great sports. We appreciate that a lot. And then if we give out prizes. And That makes it a winner every single time. But if you're just joining us, we don't ask our caller the questions, which means they don't have to know the answers to still win the game, which makes it even more fun. The reason why is because I don't ask them. Instead, I will ask Janice and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right. The other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. What could they win, Janice?
3: This week we have a great Catholic art bundle valued at $50 from a, a company called Catholic Art and Jewelry. They have an Etsy shop and website. Catholic Art and Jewelry are custom handmade uh, Catholic prints and custom uh, handmade jewelry from Sue Cuomo Johnson. She's including five art prints, a charm, Catholic postcard stickers, and a holy card. And she sent me photos of the bundle via Instagram. And I, I will say that the, the cards are beautiful. Um, very, very beautiful Catholic prints. And they're all handmade. So uh, definitely a great prize. And she says it's worth 50 uh, nice
2: praise be to god well Mm -hmm. we are very grateful for our sponsor this week catholicartandjewelry.com thank you for your generous gift all right it's time to play the game and tomorrow by the way is the last opportunity to get in on this drawing but uh so if you haven't got in yet call back tomorrow make sure you call early and you might have your chance but let's go to the phones now uh don good morning to you thanks for calling in our program morning praise be to god don where are you from
6: I'm in Flower Mound, Texas.
2: Flower Mound, Texas. Praise be to Jesus. That's up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Where do you go to church?
1: At St. Phillips.
2: St. Phillips. Fantastic. Praise be to God. Are you familiar with the game, Don? Do you know how this works? Yes, I am. And uh, do you have any opinions about who might be more tricky, Janice or Adrian?
6: I think Adrian.
2: Really? What makes you think Adrian's more tricky?
0: Uh, He's sort of... Waffles around on answer it sometimes.
5: <laughs> I'll have you know. I haven't had a waffle in weeks. Yeah. <laughs> better, maybe weeks
1: around. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I think we ought to put that on a button. Waffles around. Adrian waffle. I like that. Don Rain, I'm gonna steal that from you Don. Now I kinda want waffles. <laughs> I may put that on a t shirt. Adrian waffles around. That's <laughs> awesome. All right, Don. Are you ready to play the game? Yes I am. Praise be to God. Let's do this. We'll go to Janice. First, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? <laughs>
3: Yes. Are you I, sure? Uh, maybe. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. <laughs>
2: Janice, can you tell me what famous French Catholic engineer was the architect for the layout of the city of Washington, D.C.?
3: Hmm. That would uh be. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Clayton Nicholas.
2: Clayton Nicholas? Yes. Fant- f- 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 interesting. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. Interesting. Clayton Nicholas. Okay. Okay. Um, Catholic guy, I imagine? Name like Clayton? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go to Adrian. Let's just see what Adrian has to say. Uh, very French, Clayton. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me what famous French Catholic engineer was the architect for the layout of the city of Washington, D.C.? Um, I don't know who Clayton is.
5: Uh, He's a Frenchman. But,
2: but <laughs> I'm going to go with
5: Pierre L'Effant.
1: <laughs> Gesundheit.
2: What was that?
5: Pierre Lefont. God bless you. That's, that's how no, I imagine. Seriously, it, what was your answer? That's how I imagine everybody saying French words.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get hate mail from our listeners who speak French.
3: Is that why you wear your French hat? <laughs> that's exactly Every it. day. <laughs> what was it? One more time.
2: Pierre Lefont. Pierre Lefont. That's your
1: answer.
2: (laughs) Close enough. Okay, Don, let me uh, see if I can summarize things for you here. Adrian seems to think it was Pierre Leifant, whereas Janice seems to think it was Clayton Nicholas, the Frenchman. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Don, what say you?
6: Uh, Clayton Nicholas. Are you sure? No. (laughs) I'm sorry, Don. It was obvious it was the French name of them. They like, go, well, maybe he's trying to. Buy. <laughs>
1: see,
2: I see. They're very tricky people, Don. They're very tricky people. Um, but uh, who yeah. is Clayton Nicholas? <laughs> yeah, how did you come up with that name? Out so, of all the French names, Clayton Nicholas. So,
3: a cool fact Clayton Nicholas is actually the architect that created Annunciation in,
2: in, the, Houston in
5: the Houston area. In the Houston area. And um, he
3: also created. Is um, he French? uh i'm there's no way with
5: the name like no nicholas
3: way. he was uh no I don't really know where he's from but um <laughs> I just, I just remember he's one of my favorite architects because he created okay. the annunciation and then all super the super
2: tricky Janice over here all the cathedrals of Galveston
3: down. so like okay. St. Patrick's, okay. St. Mary's mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. was the architect
2: the true answer is Pierre Le font was the Catholic <laughs> French engineer which by the way at the time uh, French engineers were like among the best in the world so that's probably the reason why he got tapped for the job but at any rate don't worry Don I think we can get you into this cup uh, the next two questions I want to say are pretty easy but let's just see how it goes Adrian we're going to you this time can you tell me which book in the Old Testament contains lamentations over the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC huh so you're looking
5: for a book of lamentations mm-hmm okay I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Exodus I mean it's it was pretty pretty sad time <laughs>
2: is that That's your answer? Yeah. Exodus? Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. the destruction
5: of Jerusalem. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. In Exodus. In Exodus. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. That's what I'm going with. Um, Let's just check in with uh, Janice over this. Janice, can you tell me which book in the Old Testament contains lamentations over the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C.?
3: Mm, I would say that was the book of lamentations, not not Exodus, Uh. because... Are you sure? Lamentations. Uh Uh, They Uh lamented their sorrows. I see
2: where you're going with that. (laughs) I see where you're going with that. Seems Uh too on the nose. Okay. (laughs) So, Don, let me summarize for you. (laughs) Janice seems to think it's the book of lamentations, whereas uh, Adrian seems to think it's the book of Exodus. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Don, what say you? Janine. Survey says... Yeah. I mean... Captain Obvious, <laughs> Book of Lamentations. Well, well done, Don. Was that a, did you know that one already?
0: No, I'm, yeah, I'm going with the obvious from now on. I'm, I'm not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, praise be to God. Praise be to God. All right, to this next one. It could be tricky, but I, I think it's going to be okay. Let's go mm. back to Janice. Janice, can you tell me, what term... Refers to having no sin on the soul at the moment of conception, at the, mm. at the coming into life. What do we call that? And I can think of an example. Mm. Our lady.
3: Um. Well, I would say the Immaculate Conception.
2: Okay. Because okay. she
3: was immaculate. Yes. Yeah. Conceived.
2: She told Saint Bernardette that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's just see here. Adrian, can you tell me? What term refers to having no sin on the soul at the instant of conception? Uh, Let's see. Having no sin
5: at the instant of conception. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that's original holiness.
2: Original holiness. Mm -hmm. Wow. That sounds fancy. You must learn that in college. The OG holiness. The OG. Okay. Original gangster holiness. Right.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but no, that's not my answer. It's original oh holiness. My. But, you know. <laughs> We've just lost it right there. All right, so, Don, here's the deal. Uh, Adrian seems to think it's called the original holiness, whereas Janice says it's the immaculate conception. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Who's being silly? Don, what say you? Janine. Uh, Janice, a survey says. Yes, of course. Uh-huh. Don, that was easy, right? Yes. Praise be to God. You're in for two, Don. Congratulations. How do you feel?
6: I feel good, and I feel like I'm going to win, too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, now you know who to trust and who not to, right? I mean, hmm, things don't...
0: it's the obvious. <laughs> it's
2: Yeah, there you go. You're starting to figure it out. All right, Don. Maybe
5: Janice is a tricky one.
2: Yeah, praise be to God. All right, Don, Don we're going to put you on hold so we get your phone number just in case. But God bless you, God love you, thanks for playing the game, and have a great day you're welcome thank you alright that is going to do it for the radio side of our program that was fun I enjoyed that we're going to go uh, to a break the Holy Mass will be airing across the Guadalupe Radio Network next if you go to Mass keep us in your prayers but if you want to hang out with us on the live video feed you can do so right on our website grnonline.com forward slash cdt where we conversate with you for the next half hour about whatever you want to maybe you'll share your 9-11 story maybe we'll talk about usury I don't know It's whatever you want at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Thank you for joining
0: us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station.
1: Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time.
2: Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time.
1: Be
0: sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
2: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a lot more casual about our conversations. And where you get to drive the conversation into whatever you want to talk about. You get to do that by commenting on one of the video feeds. So wherever you are watching us right now, comment there. And if you're a first-time commenter, we will lavish extra love upon you for commenting for the first time. We appreciate you. Uh, But uh, UCDT insiders, you know the deal. You know how this works. You know all the inside humor and and what to expect. Now, I got an email during the program uh, from Mark Clements. Uh Mark thanks for emailing me. if you're still listening we're we're grateful to you. I mentioned it on the on the air but he sent me a link of uh, of uh this day in history kind of thing and it was but it's not for today it's for September the 11th and it has some uh, interesting uh interesting highlights here for September the 11th. Uh uh let's see uh 9 I guess it's the year 9 the battle of the Tudorberg forest ends in the year 813, September the 11th, Charles the Great crowns Louis I Emperor. On September the 11th in 910, Benedictine Abbey of Cluny, founded by William, Duke of Aquentine in Burgundy, France, one of the greatest monasteries of Western Europe. <clears throat> On September the 11th, 11, 1185, Isaac II, uh, Angelus, kills Stephanos, uh, Hagio Christophoritis, Good grief, that was a mouthful. And then appeals to the people, resulting in the revolt and the and deposes and drawn and the I and places Isaac on the throne of the Byzantine Empire. Good grief, I cannot say any of those words apparently. But September the eleventh, twelve twenty six, the Roman Catholic practice of public adoration of the Blessed Sacrament outside of Mass spreads from monasteries to parishes. That's kind of interesting. I wonder if that's true. He says he doesn't know if it's true. He says he's not been able to corroborate the information. But if that's true, that's fascinating to me. September the 11th, 1226, adoration outside of Holy Mass. If anybody knows one way or the other, let me know. I'd love to know. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Eric. Hashtag Waffle House Fons. Wow. He's throwing you right under the bus there, Adrian. Uh, I want waffles. (laughs) Larry, good morning. Uh, The Burrier family, praise be to God, good to see you. Christopher Velasquez, Mary Barone, and Tammy, good morning to you. Who's on Facebook? All sorts. Uh,
5: Lori, as
2: usual. A lot of our, all
5: the usuals, Joaquin, Don, uh, Buddy is on, Gloria. Patty was on earlier, of course. And uh, Jesus Robles was on earlier. My dad is on. I'm sure he's probably still on. Uh, Michelle is on. And Car-Rom uh, is on. So we have a full, full setup right here. And then you, I'm sure you said hi to Mike over on Odyssey already. No, but you just did. Um, well, then good
2: morning, Mike. Good morning, Mike. Uh, let's see. Who's Car-Rom? Is Car-Rom a new listener? I don't think so. You think it's a returning guest? Yes. I'm huh. fairly certain. Car-Rom. If y'all are if
5: you are a new commenter let us know but I I think I think I recognize um, as a returning commenter I'm pretty okay. sure praise could be to god I could be wrong
2: Melanie It's happened every once in a while Good morning to you Melanie good morning to you uh ES Giselle good morning to you Lori praise be to god Joaquin and Don good to see you guys here Gloria good to see you praise be to god Paul from Buffalo our friend from Buffalo was watching on the website but he's saying he's having issues with his uh service provider so he's probably gonna have to be listening on station of the cross from now on versus watching on a live video stream uh james allen mallory was on earlier as well commenting about uh uh, our our guest from mexico city james allen good to see you again yesterday i'm sorry you had to witness the uh, the passing of a friend john very sad let's pray for the repose of his soul today john john villarreal was his name Ugh, you spent a lot of time with him, Adrian. Yeah, we were um, over the summer, whenever,
5: summer 2020, when we were, um, everything was locked down. I had the privilege of serving Mass for Father Paul Felix in the Houston Diocese, uh, Annunciation Catholic Church. So I was serving his daily Masses. And um, John was there every day helping out with different things. So we got to spend a lot of time together. And uh, you and I both ended up spending a night with him at Annunciation during. Yeah. Uh, this, the, um,
2: the, the, the BLM stuff. Yeah. The Antifa.
5: Yeah. See, our, our nonsense.
2: Pari- Uh, Annunciation downtown Houston, um, was threatened directly by Antifa. So, uh, father called for men to come down and defend the parish, to guard it really. Not, not, I mean, there was, there was no hope of, or no expectation of like confrontation, but as much as just being a presence there to, you know, ward off.
5: Yeah. Me and my dad and my brother went out know. there. And uh, John was there
2: every day, pretty much. He was there he almost was. every single day. <laughs> he he and uh, and, and our friend Gabriel, uh, uh, Gabriel, yeah, yeah, he was down there. He was sort of coordinating the whole event.
5: Yeah, it was very, it was really awesome to see. Uh, he was very dedicated to the church. Uh, he was, yeah, and he was there for um, literally every day. I was going there for daily mass, and without fail, he was there to help usher, help with everything. Um, yeah, help his uh, father's. Uh, he helped with father's everything. I was it was a very he was a very good man, and it's, uh, yeah. it's sad to see see that he passed. That he that he died, and it really was. I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was like, like we can die at any moment. Like he he had no symptoms of any illness. Like he was fine during mass. At mass, he was he was helping out at mass as he usually does, ushering and helping with uh, the cameras. Mm-hmm. Um and. Then he went uh to Holy League, which is a group of guys who eat up eat after Mass once a month. And uh they, they he was there talking to people and then next thing they know, they they see him uh, like with his car door open and he's there, they bring him out and he's not breathing. Um and it just happens out of nowhere. I mean, we can we can die at any moment and it it makes us think like, are we in a state of grace? Are we staying in a state of grace? Are we praying um the rosary where we pray 50 times or 150 times pray for us now. And at the hour of our death, like th- this is the time that matters. And what a grace to be able to die at a church to die where father could give him a uh, conditional absolution and uh, anointing of the sick mm-hmm. and um, where he was able to receive the sacraments before he died. Mm-hmm. Like what a grace in that sense, but it- it's, it's tragic. And uh, if you ever heard a, uh, the sermon, Father Isaac Relier, he gives a great sermon on the four last things and his meditation on death. I often think about this and this is probably why you hear me always so talking about this because it, it always rings in my head. It's like we could, like he t- gives examples of people who are driving down the highway and then all of a sudden some crazy person was shooting a, their gun out, uh, on the, in the water for no reason and a stray bullet, uh, ricocheted off of something and killed the guy driving on the bridge next, next by, nearby. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like he was doing nothing wrong. He wasn't speeding. He wasn't on drugs. He was nothing. He just, yeah. wrong time, wrong place, and he died randomly, instantly. And that's instantly. the problem. Instantly. Instant death. Like you know Yeah, time And this
2: can happen to any of us. You have to live in a state of readiness, right? Absolutely. We yeah. know not the day nor the hour. I mean, just think, just think about this from a perspective of those of us who are trying to live the life. Like we're we're the ones putting the effort into trying to live the life. And if we're honest, if I'm honest about myself, how many times do I get complacent during my day? Mm-hmm. How many times do I allow myself to give myself yesterday I got cut off and that urge to seek vengeance is very overwhelming. It can come upon you very quickly. I had to like I had to speak out loud to myself to say, Joe, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> just, just let it go. Everything's fine. You don't need to be out front. It's okay. Like I had to talk myself off the ledge because, golly, juiz, that temptation was very, very heavy, right? Um, it just if that's true for those of us who are trying to live the life, imagine how much more true it is for those that aren't. Yeah, my my friend, his
5: uh, was it his aunt? I think uh, my roommate, his aunt had uh, was uh, I don't know if she died or she was or she is like in a coma. And he was asking me. He was like, "Hey, so like, what are the chances of, of someone who just wasn't practicing the faith their whole life, and then, um, and then receives uh, absolution and confession at the end of their lives?" And I'm like, "Well, I mean, certainly our, our Lord's grace is is sufficient, and He's infinitely merciful. But at the same time, mm-hmm. the problem is if you convert in your deathbed." Well, what are the chances that you stay in a state of grace? Because we kind of think, oh, so my grandma, my uh, aunt, my friend received a confession, absolution, and uh, before they died, but it was like a week before they died. Like we we forget. And I, I, I did a whole four part podcast on the four last things, and we forget that the devil attacks us with such vigor. They talk about the saints talk about how the devil on your deathbed he attacks you more than the rest of your life combined because he recognizes this is his last chance to get you. And if you have not been building up a repertoire of defenses against the devil, do you think you can resist, if you can't resist him now when temptation comes, mm-hmm. how do you think you're going to resist him when your body is weak? And if you haven't built up the protection now, the yeah. habit of it, and the and re- asking our lady to defend you, asking your guardian angel to defend you, asking St. Michael to defend you, if you haven't built up that repertoire what makes you think you can last a whole week without falling into mortal sin? Because uh, yeah. St. Alphonse Gore gives the example. He says, if you were tempted in life to have, if you were just angry and hateful towards someone, at the end of your life, he'll bring those people back to the front of your mind to try to get you to hate them again. Mm. So try so that way you'll commit a mortal sin. Or if you had lust in your heart for somebody, they'll start bringing those images, which is why it's so important to keep your eyes, to keep custody the eyes, because all those images stay in your head. Yeah, And the devil will use those and bring them to the forefront of your mind to try to get you to lust after these people again. All these different things. And we die differently. We die differently than the time of falls into the glory. We have a TV in our hospital beds. We have phones in our hands. Oh, all, all these distractions, all these ways to sin. And it's terrifying. And so I'm like, yes, ta- yes, our Lord, you can be like the good thief and convert in your deathbed and you can enter the kingdom of heaven. Praise be to God. But it's so much harder. We have to build up the habits now. It's, it's. Think about, the start, treasury. Start Look,
2: think about the treasury of graces. I mean, think about all these devotions, these pieties, these sacramentals that we've been given <clears throat> that have powerful promises that come from them, the scapular, the Holy Rosary, um, the devotion to the to the Holy Face of Jesus. I mean, there's just so many. The Miraculous Medal. I mean, there's just so many incredible. I just think about, God, you wish, the Lord is so bloody gracious to us in spite of ourselves. He gives us so much. Many opportunities to to tap into the to the bank, you know tap into the treasury of his mercy and grace, and still, with all of that, still we persist in our uh, sort of our sinful ways. Mm-hmm. It's really insane, but um, what better way to go? He went to confession, he went to holy Mass
3: and he died on a feast day.
2: And he died on <laughs> yeah, our lady's birthday.
3: Our our lady life. our lady welcomed him with arms wide open, yeah. I'm sure. And um, uh
2: maybe. I
3: I say that um you know they they say if you're a, a consecrated soul to our lady or to Jesus through our lady that uh, uh our lord will be a uh, a god of mercy in your in your deathbed. So I you know what what a beautiful gift that he yeah. received. During his last moments.
2: Yeah, amen. Amen. Uh, Tammy says uh, Father Jack told me to pray the rosary on my way to work. He said, It's hard to get road rage when you're praying to our mother. Okay. Uh, I've actually uh, gotten road rage while praying the rosary once. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> so it's possible. I'm just saying it's possible. But I it is, I, I imagine it is a lot harder. Uh, I'm very blessed. I've never, I've never really gotten road rage. I, I'm pretty.
5: Praise God. I'm pretty patient in the car for some reason. That's good. I don't know why. How wonderful. Because I'm not patient
2: otherwise. I've gotten a lot more patient with age. Um, but when I was younger, boy, <laughs> phew, good look out. I, Man, you know, experience I, is wasted on the old. Uh, no. <laughs> no. It is a treasure of, of age. It's the youth is wasted on the young that you're thinking about.
5: Yeah. Not at all. Yes. Yes. For sure. All that experience mm-hmm. completely wasted on the old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They
2: should give it to the young. <laughs> That's funny, Nicola, Good morning. <clears throat> Thank you for being on. We're pre- we appreciate you being here, buddy. K nine says he was working at Continental Airlines on nine eleven. He was scheduled to fly out to Columbus, Ohio, to seek the to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I guess that didn't work out, huh, buddy? They canceled <laughs> you, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was. Uh, it was. I remember. I remember. Where exactly, I remember exactly where I was on 9-11. I was working in a telecommunications business. I was a project manager, and I had about, I don't know, 10 or 15 crews working for me that day. And um, one, of our, mm-hmm. one, one of our crews was on a site digging, and the owner of the property came out and said a plane had just run into a building. And the way they said it, it just I felt like it was like, like a Cessna or something somehow flew into a building like it was no big deal. And then uh, I remember going back to, to like the local office and seeing the news on television and just being blown away by what was unfolding before my eyes. It was rather crazy. And then of course I um, had to go back out and then, you know, seeing no planes in the sky and just feeling the eerie, eerie quietness of the, of the whole thing. And then uh, for like days, and weeks, I collected newspapers. Um, I still have them they 're in my garage. I have a stack of these newspapers from nine eleven and just the whole thing was otherworldly, it was very surreal to watch live to see it for myself, live on television, those buildings coming down really, where Where really were bizarre. you living at
3: the time, Joe New Hampshire how- New central
2: Hampshire. New Hampshire yeah. Okay. <clears throat>
3: How 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 old were you at that time?
2: Twenty-seven. 40. Oh, sorry.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: twenties I was twenty-seven at the time. And uh yeah. Really bizarre. Really, uh, really otherworldly. And you really felt like I imagine there were probably similar sentiments uh with Pearl Harbor, nineteen forty-one. And um you felt like something big just happened and now the world is no longer the same. Mm-hmm. And um and of course it was, It kicked off 20 years of war, 20 years. And then I remember, you know, watching with great, um, great interest, what, what was happening next in the, and president Bush sending troops in and, and all the rest, you know, it was, and then of course Iraq came and there was a great debate over whether or not we should invade Iraq and the politics of all of that. And it was just the whole thing has been really surreal. But tomorrow, hopefully, we'll have an opportunity to let some of you guys share your stories with us. I would love to hear where you were on 9-11, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd invite you to be a part of our program tomorrow morning in the first hour, maybe call in and uh, share that with us. We'd love that. Susan Weber, good morning to you, uh, says, I could be I could be holy if I didn't drive. <laughs> if holiness is uh, prevented, prevented by driving, then it's better not to drive, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Mother
3: Angelica says, "I would be holy if I didn't have to talk to people or live with people." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The world
2: would be fantastic if it wasn't for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's so good. Uh, Wow. Uh, Let's see here. Who else? Mary Barone. Mary Barone says, "Joe, it helps me to wonder what's really going on for those who drive discourteously, and then pray for them for the rest of the week." Yep, Mm. for sure. For sure.
3: I wanted to ask about Adrian's commentary on the usury that he mentioned earlier.
2: Now you're you getting them started again. Good grief.
3: <laughs> like, can you, what was that? Well, you said um, you had some commentary on that?
2: Yeah, it's quite a bit.
5: Saint, uh, I always say saint. Cornice someone, Lapide. <laughs> someone make this guy a saint so, that way we well, can, so I can he's be He's a running.
2: Jesuit. Our Pope is a Jesuit. I mean, all you got to do is say, hey, let's make a Jesuit saint today. Yeah. I'm sure it'll get done. Uh, right, fast track. Uh, I'll let him know. I'll Super let him fast. know. I'll
5: I'll text. I'll text Santa the Holy Father Subida. right now. <laughs> I'll text the Holy Father. Hold on, give me one. One please, second. Yeah. Please text him. <laughs> uh, Holy Father, uh, please canonize uh, Cornelius uh, Alapide. Uh, Send tweet. Okay, yeah, it would be great to have a great Jesuit saying again. <laughs> no, but They're just it, saying. Just saying. The so the topic of usury is incredibly fascinating to me because, from what I understand, the The teaching on usury has never officially changed. It's just society has shifted and then the church kind of just stopped talking about it. And then modern people realizing, hey, wait, usury is still a thing. Or like trying to figure out how can we justify the fact that we use usury constantly? And I'm thinking of Taking out loans, mortgages, um, buying cars with loans, using credit cards, all these things, and then loaning money to others and then charging interest to our friends and family, Um, all these things were forbidden. And now they kind of reinterpret usury to say usury is the excessive use of loans, excessive charging of loans and excessive taking on of loans. And that's not at all what it appears to be of all the people in the past. Now, I haven't studied this topic uh, in depth. This is just me reading little things here and there. But every time I do, it seems incredibly clear. So, let me give you an example. Verse 35, Lend, hoping for nothing again from men, uh, at the Syriac, that you may receive a reward from God. Nothing, no pledge or return of any kind. Christ would have us lend, not only without exacting usury for the loan, but also without expecting a similar kindness in return. For what is it but self-seeking and avarice if I lend to another that he uh, he in turn may lend to me? Christ here enjoins true benevolence, and he goes on, hence to seek to profit by a loan is contrary to the meaning of the word and the nature of the transaction. And he goes on, uh, breaking down some of the Greek words here. Um, and he goes on Let's see, let's skip the, the translation stuff because out of his, out of the friendly feeling, mind becomes thine for present needs and necessities. Hence Gregory Nazianzus writes, he who exacts interest on a loan is condemned as a usurer, for a loan is a friendly transaction freely given and to be freely restored. So note, it's freely given and freely restored, meaning they don't have to pay it back. Like that's shocking to a modern world. That's shocking to me. Like, you expect, you give the money expecting not to be given the money back. And if you get it back, then praise be to God. But otherwise, you're expecting not to get the money back. He goes on, a kindly hearted man, therefore, will lend to him who is in need, even though he may not have reason to believe he will never be repaid. For there are many poor who cannot, and many unworthy persons who will not return that which is lent them. Now, this is crazy too. Like, we think of credit scores. Like, the whole setting of credit scores is a whole concept of, you need to have a proof that you can pay off loans. You have to have loans so that you can get loans. Uh, you got to gotta have these credit scores in order to rent apartments, to rent things. And here he's saying, no, <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that either. You should just be giving the loan. And even if you are like, hey, they probably you're not going to pay me back, but you know, whatever. Uh, he goes on, hence a witty writer says, if you lend to your friend and ask a return of the loan, you will li- lose either the one or the other. And again, by lending money, I have purchased to myself an enemy and lost a friend. He therefore who lends should lend for the love of God, who will richly repay as it is written. He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. See Proverbs nineteen seventeen. He goes on to talk about this part a little bit, and I won't read you the quote because it's kind of long, but essentially he says here, whenever we give unto the poor, and whenever we loan to people with no expectation of getting money back, with no usury, with no interest, we're not asking for money. We're not even, not, not only are we not charging them, but we're not even asking for the money back. He says, but when you do this, though, you are lending to the Lord and the Lord will repay because the Lord is just and the Lord will pay you back because of the Lord's goodness. Uh, he goes on, hence Christum, quoted Christum, he says, the poor receiveth the gift, but God becomes the debtor. And St. Basil says, "That which thou art about to give to the poor for the love of God becomes both a gift and a loan, a gift because there is no expectation of return, and a loan because of the goodness of God, who will richly recompense in their name those who have relieved the necessities of the poor. Uh, let's see, he goes on, "Lose thy money for thy brother and thy friend." Ecclesiastes 29:10 um, verse 38, "Give and it shall be given unto you, many lavish on their promises, and few are liberal in their gifts." I will give, but never performed his promises of giving. Uh, therefore, Christ bids us to give, give at once and without delay, and it shall be given to you. Um, like this whole past, like he spends almost the entire commentary on this section just on usury. And it's like, it, it blows my mind because you go read Afonso Lagori, go read any of the saints talking about this topic, and all of them agree <clears throat> that loans and charging interest is sinful. And I'm like... How do we reconcile this? And I'm not giving. I don't have an answer for you. I, I don't have an answer. I'm just uh, expressing concerns I have because I'm like, holy moly, this is things that are incredibly important that we <laughs> that we are dealing with in the modern world right now. I don't know. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think definitely that's something that, um, I, and I, I I sense that a lot of Christians, like non-denominational Protestants, um, have really. Uh, been a been been a huge voice against um, this culture of um, you know debt and and usury and and just living off of loans. Uh, for example, like famous famous radio host Dave Ramsey has created a whole like anti credit card anti debt uh, culture, and um, because of him, I've noticed a lot of Protestant churches have kind of grabbed onto his philosophies. Uh, but I do think that, you know, in the Catholic Church, I don't think we don't we don't talk about it enough. And and that can be concerning. Like you said, Adrian, like, why don't we talk about why don't we talk about it enough?
5: Yeah, I think it, this is a, this is a serious question that like theologians need to sit down and parse out. And maybe there's a, some kind of distinction here that makes modern loaning because I've heard arguments saying, well, the modern monetary system is completely different from the system back then. And therefore, it's different. Uh, so One common argument for the use of loans today is that because back then there was a finite amount of money because it was a gold standard or it's some kind of thing similar to a gold standard, um, things had an intrinsic value. So to charge interest on something was like there was only a limited amount of things, whereas nowadays they say because of the modern monetary system – there is technically speaking i guess depending on your monetary theory unlimited amount of money like we can just print more money and so the there's no upper limit to how much money someone could have um there's uh, you can have billionaires several billionaires which the whole concept of that didn't exist prior to the modern era between the modern uh, banking and monetary systems um so i don't know it's it's definitely a complicated question uh, that needs to be addressed uh, seriously because um, all the arguments I've heard have been similar to the one I just gave right now. Uh, but I don't know if that's really the answer. I don't know. Um, I feel like it's just uh explaining it away, something, trying to justify something that we do regularly. I don't know. I have no clue. Mm. Uh, let's see. Josh says, Unfortunately, I think the virtue of proper charity is lending and lending becomes untenable in a world without a cohesive moral order. In such a case, the best we can do is prohibit the loaning of money for the sake of profit. We don't talk about it because the church has no power against that of the banks. I suppose, but we still have we still have um, moral... Influence we still have moral uh, influence that we can uh, push onto other people so if to the develop church came habits
3: out, yeah. right so like
5: the church spoke mm-hmm. out against it they might not be able to force the banks to do anything, but they could definitely encourage Catholics, which are a huge population to not do something which would uh, force the banks to uh, acquiesce, kind of like having uh, Fridays in Lent every almost every restaurant in, in America serves a fish option on Fridays in America because the Catholics are such a huge market. Um, and so I think we, we could easily change it without having to directly control the uh, banks. Uh, mm-hmm. Alaric says, was there a usury free loaning system institute called Mons Piantis? I'd be interested to learn the history of that. Uh, to be honest, I have no idea. That's uh, Montes Pia- Pia- Piatis. Nah, not sure. That's That's something I'm not familiar with. Uh, Tammy said, my daughter worked for Navy Federal Credit Union in collections. She said, there are a few states they, that they were not allowed to call. They could not only collect if the customer called and offered a payment. That's super interesting. I've never heard that. That's very, very interesting. Uh, Buddy says, I was always told the Bible tells us if you lend money to someone, you should not expect them to pay back. Is this true? Yeah, we talked about that. Oh, you, just said you answered the question. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. And then Laurie says, student loans. Oh, yes, student loans. Mm-hmm. This is a huge thing. Uh, I was very blessed. I didn't take out a single loan. I was able to go, get through college without uh, taking out a single loan, paid it all off on my own. Um, so praise be to God. Between that and scholarships, uh, thanks be to God. But, yes, yeah, student loans. We are destroying people's lives. We, are, uh, we had our guest on. I'm forgetting his name. I don't know if you remember. Uh, but he was on and he was talking about He's like, God doesn't want us to be slaves. He wants us to be free people. We cannot be free people. We cannot be free to give uh, to the church. We can't be free to help the poor. We can't be free to do
2: anything if we are enslaved to debt and we are enslaved to the bank and to the government. Well, that's what because the of Jubilee year was about in the Old Testament. So mm-hmm. when they had a Jubilee year, debts were forgiven. People were released. Mm-hmm. They were freed to start all over again.
3: Yeah, so uh, speaking about the Jubilee, you know, there is talk Got about, about- – there is talk about like the Biden administration pushing for like a jubilee and monetary things. Mm-hmm. Do, you th- what do you? What are your thoughts on that? Or what do you think?
5: Yeah, I, I think it's a horrible idea. I mm-hmm. think even though I am against usury and I'm against all these things, I think that will utterly destroy uh, Americans' monetary system because we have a system in place, which is why I think this is something that needs to be discussed. Because but, uh, in order it, to do that, we have to forgive
2: billions of dollars. Like,
5: mm-hmm. This money just
2: doesn't, it's just... There's also... There's
5: but also, if it's happened
3: in the Bible before... The
2: virtue of justice, too. Uh, give mm-hmm. people what's due to them. Uh, teachers deserve to get paid. Uh, schools mm-hmm. who have to hire those teachers deserve to have their costs covered. So if we're all we're going to do is just forgive debt, well, who's carrying the burden in that? I mean, there's one thing about not putting the debt, uh, the burden of debt upon people, but there's another of... Of well, certain costs have to be covered, um, and it's 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 right to do so. So, just I think you know we're doing this one uh, one extreme versus the other extreme versus right up the middle. And we're about to run out of time. And I just wanted to say that um, I was just wasn't really listening to this conversation as much as I should because I was reading an article by a Jesuit uh, who is uh, wants to see the bishops write a letter on the Eucharist. And this is what this Jesuit priest has to say: "Quote." The document should emphasize that the purpose of the Eucharist is not to bring Christ down on the altar so that we can worship him. If you want to worship Jesus, go to benediction. The Eucharist is about worshiping the Father, not Jesus. Jesus never asked his disciples to worship him. His message was all about the Father, not himself. Unquote. Father, Jesuit Father, Thomas Rees. Golly, Jewish. Makes me think. Would St. Ignatius of Loyola even recognize the Jesuits today, I'm not sure he would. Maybe Cornelius Salafide being uh, canonized would be a good thing. Anyway, we'll join you back here tomorrow to talk about fasting from a Catholic perspective. 6 a.m., 7 central. God bless you. Thank you for joining us.